This is The Instigators, presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. We are going to overtime! Oh, it would have been great to have Game 7 overtime in the Stanley Cup Final, but we move on, and very quickly so, Marty Baron, as we are heading to Montreal very soon for draft coverage, and that allows us an opportunity this week on Instigators Overtime to dive in on the prospect front with Chris Baker. What are you looking forward to most about talking with Chris? Well, uh, first of all, I want to know, like, how did he get into it? And I want people to get to know Chris Baker a little bit more because he's a huge um Oh, I, what's the word? Talent um, evaluator. Exactly. Uh, huge talent evaluator and somebody that everybody around Buffalo should know if you're really buying into what the Sabres are doing and where they're going. So should follow him on Twitter, should pay attention to what he says, the highlight pack, the, uh, the evaluation of the players themselves. So yeah, that's, that's something that I think everybody, a, a person, everybody should know about. Uh, and many do, and I think they all recognize that he is serious about the game. And when you are serious about the game, bet on Buffalo with the only sports books in Western New York. Seneca Resorts and Casinos betting counters are open daily. Self-service betting kiosks are available 24-7 at all three locations. Whether you visit Seneca Niagara, Allegheny, or Buffalo Creek, the Sports Lounge features the latest lines and multiple screens so you'll never miss a play. The Sports Book at Seneca Resorts and Casinos, where the love of the game meets the thrill of the win. Chris Baker, how are you, our friend? I'm doing well. No pressure at all coming in after that. I appreciate the kind <laughs> words, Marty. Um, I do agree. Everyone should follow me, especially this time of year. But no, it's great to be with you guys. It's been a while, Duffer. I got to kind of kick has. the rust off a little bit, but no better time to kick the rust off than draft season. Yes, and uh, a little advance warning and welcome all at the same time. Chris is going to be a big part of our draft coverage from Montreal, especially as the Sabres roll into round one with three first-round picks. Now, Bakes, I know Marty wants to do a little get-to-know-you, but I'll get it out of the way right off the hop. If you're Kevin Adams, are you making all three picks in the first round? Oh, yeah, I am. I definitely am. I think um, I look at the organization, just the market size, everything. I think it's a an organization where you're still building something up. And I think it's an organization where you're going to have to continue to promote from within. And I think having those three swings and, you know, a pretty decent draft, I would say, I think it's important to get that talent going, build up the talent base. If you can use the picks, it's going to have to take something, I think, really compelling to get you to move out of one of those. If I had my druthers, I'm definitely taking nine and 16, maybe move 28 if you can get creative and package that with something. But I think, you know, I'm a prospect guy and I'm always looking for more work and the more picks is more work. So it's a very simple (laughs) formula for me. Okay. So let me ask you, because of the work, a lot of these prospects, well, play all over the world. They don't just play in the Eastern time zone at seven o'clock at night where you can pull the games up on your computer and, and clip some of the, the good things they do or whatnot. Some play in Europe at, you know, uh, you know, early in the morning, in the middle of the night, whatnot. So how do you get to watch or consume all of what the prospects do? pretty much cut myself off socially from the rest of the world as Duffer knows very well. <laughs> now, you know, the reality is, is that it was much harder. You know, when I started doing this, maybe, I don't know, 2003, 2004, somewhere around there, like a little more seriously, you know, the Sabres were drafting a lot of North American players. So like every Friday night was loaded. Every Saturday night was loaded. 
past couple of years, they started drafting some Europeans and kind of spread things out a little bit. When they took some Russians last year, that was awesome because then that could start at 1030 in the morning and yeah. things got spread out a little bit. Um, for a while there, they weren't drafting a lot of Europeans, you know? So again, it was really loaded for like what you described, like the weeknights, but, you know, a lot of subscription services, you know, back in the old days using TiVo, sending machines over to people that did happen. <laughs> I mean, you know, you had to get creative if you're on like this thirst for knowledge. And it was just something that I've always been into, you know, being a hockey player growing up and it's kind of in our family. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, just doing it, the actual art of doing it, it takes a lot of work and dedication, honestly. And, um, you know, has it impacted my life quite a bit? Yeah, it has. But I mean, I wouldn't have it any other way, to be honest with you. So hey, you actually, this, by the way, uh, the last thing I'll say is doing this has afforded me some great relationships. That's oh, the best yeah. thing out of this is the people that I've met, including you guys. So you actually physically sent TiVo boxes out to like somebody in Sweden, somebody in Czech Republic or Czechia, somebody in Russia, so they can plug in their 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 cable box and then you could get the, the feed returned home. That's how you watched it back uh, maybe 10 years ago? It happened for a year and like it barely worked. It was super sketchy, but the attempt was made. Um, so, you know. Were there, were there some uh, illegitimate ways of watching some of these games? Yeah, oh yeah, there definitely were. But now everything's been on the up and up lately. I don't, I'm not about breaking any laws these days. I'm uh, dedicated to a life of low-risk behavior. So were you on Metallica's side or not when Napster was uh, evolving? You know how many computers I ruined? It basically wasn't me being a lawful citizen. It was like me ruining things. So no, I was... Uh, you know, I'm all about paying for, I pay my way moving forward. Let's just kind of say that, you know, a lot of subscriptions, you know, anyone that's in the, the business of watching uh, hockey TV, hockey TV is a great subscription, by the way, I'm not going to do a plug for them, but I mean, you can watch so many leagues, both uh, in North America and abroad. I mean, that's, that's one way to do it for those looking to kind of branch out a little bit and watch things other than the NHL and, and what's on TV. So you obviously put a lot of clips of those prospects on Twitter and on social media. So um, I am not... I, I'm good with technology and computers, but if you told me like, okay, let's grab a screen or a gift from a, a player and put it on, like, did you have to learn how to do all of this or did you already know from the beginning? No, I mean, this is the only, I'm not very technically savvy either. You know, I can barely work a remote control. So when it came to, you know, cutting clips and everything else, I mean, I had to kind of find the right software to do it. I'm not a, I don't like gifts, So I like to do everything in video to get the real speed and, you know, just the real kind of essence of the play, I guess, for lack of a better word. But um, no, that's, um, I had to learn everything, toy around with different programs, a lot of trial and, and error. But I think I've kind of got it down now with something that seems to work. We're missing like 20% of your beautiful face. So feel free to slide over a little bit. I'm trying, man. It's there freaking me myself. Uh, no, no. There you there go. Ah, oh, almost. You're like there. Marty with his angles in the last two years of his career. Yeah, but the, the, the difference is that there's no red light behind Bakes right now. That we would be lighting up and the big horn. So anyway. But, uh, here we go. Sorry. Oh, there you go. Oh, that's that's You're good. beautiful. Hey, I love it. Since, since I sarcastically, uh, you know, just went down the goaltending avenue there, uh, before we dive into the top of the draft, um, why does it seem like this draft has very little conversation about goaltending in it at the moment. Past couple of draft classes haven't been really stellar. And I don't know really what the reason is in terms of goaltending. Even when you go back, like when Nico Dawes was a top North American, he was a guy that was the second time over. I think you're seeing this shift now to 
there, it's a position that takes a little bit of time to develop, right? And it's a position where, you know, maybe these guys aren't, you don't have an idea of what the goalie is going to be when he's 18. Like when you're, when you're watching when they're 17, 18 years old, they change radically when they're 23, 24. And I think there's, you know, maybe you see more teams shifting their philosophy to the position. They're looking at college free agents. They're looking at European free agents. But, um, you know, even this year, I see a couple of guys who are good. But, I mean, when's the first one going to go? It's hard to say. Usually there's one or two that stand out. You know, maybe a guy that's late first round or, like, that run usually starts 36, 38. I can't tell you this year when the first goalie is going to be taken. And I do see a couple that I like. And that should be compelling to the Sabres. But man, it's really difficult to answer that question. I just think it's a weird position. It's not, you know, skaters are a little bit easier to evaluate when they're 17, 18 than a goaltender. I have so many questions with this response. I guess I'll just start with, with watching what you're watching. And you talk about it takes longer for goalies. And I think that, especially with the last two years with the, the, the pandemic and COVID altering some leagues and some leagues didn't play, I feel like, it, it's going to start being where players are going to take their time a little bit more and they're going to have to be a little older. Are you, or are you against, or are you for pushing the draft a year, like going to 19 year old drafts, as opposed to the 18 year old draft that we're doing right now? Because I am, I'm, I'm really for a 19 year old draft and maybe the first round is 18 year olds and you draft them in the first round, but after that is 19. Are you in the same sense, a 19 year old draft uh, expert or do you like the way it is right now? I, you know, I, I, I'm just resistant to change. I think um, I don't really have a good scientific reason to say that I don't want it to move other than, because I get the, I see the benefits of it, honestly, of going to 19, you just have better information. Um, and you really, what are you doing? You're cutting off one year's of earnings potential for a very small fraction of the, the players that you're drafting, right? Um, it's very rare for an 18 to come in and play, but I just don't like change. It's always been one way. And, and I know that's not the greatest answer, but I'm still in favor of it being an 18-year-old and, and kind of the risk management of making picks and the strategy of drafting a player when he's 18. I'm still kind of in that boat right now. If they changed it, would I throw a hissy fit? No, I wouldn't. I would just kind of keep doing what I'm doing. But I just, I, I like it this way. It's always been this way since I was a kid. Save and that I, for the, save that for our first round of the year on the links. Yeah, yeah right. the hissy fits on the golf course. Um, and hey, that's, that's always you, a good place for that. We, I, I feel like we're burying the lead here, but unintentionally on purpose. So I'm going to keep stringing it along without talking about the top prospects in this draft. But when you went 19, there, Marty, I, I am absolutely fascinated by Logan Morrison. So he's been passed over in two drafts and yeah. the beauty, if you went and took him right now and what a year he's had with the Bulldogs from Hamilton, he could start in the AHL right away. Cause he's going to be 20 in July. So What's the appetite for a guy like Logan Morrison, who has just been beyond the word consistent this year in the OHL? He was great in the playoffs, too. I mean, I think that, you know, but here's the thing, though. We've seen a, a shift to a lot of teams making late round picks on guys that were passed over, even before COVID kind of messed up scouting. Mm -hmm. Sabres were doing that for a while. They were taking guys, you know, in the sixth and seventh round that were 19 and 20 years old, going back to like Max Legault. I don't know if you remember him. Yeah. I mean, you know, this has been going on for a while, but you've seen more of that shift. I think Blake Coleman was another guy I think that was passed over, I want to say, and he was kind of taken, you know, in his second go round. 
Um, the appetite's always there. If you can get a guy that's more further along in his development, it kind of plays into what Marty was saying about moving the draft to 19. You know, I kind of see where it's a, it's a great conversation, but I think, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to be interested in that player plug and play right into the AHL lineup. And there's a lot of teams that need those guys to come in. The Sabres are one of them, really, if you think yes, about they it. Are. Yeah. If um, they graduate that top end talent, right? Like 100%. And, and he fits, I mean, he's got an NHL look to him. You know, gets to the front of the net, can finish. I like that player. He's been really eye-opening, especially in the playoffs. And that's the thing, especially with the OHL. When we talk about some of these other first-time draft eligibles, you lost a whole year of watching their growth. And now you're catching them this year, and you're like, wow, there's so many eye-popping guys, and some of them are 19. Some of them just turned 20. Yeah, um, Logan Morrison, a goal in six assists in four games at the Memorial Cup. Obviously, they are playing uh, St. John in the finals on a Wednesday night. So that uh, may change, but he's been fantastic at the Memorial Cup as well. Uh, just to go back to your goalie uh, comment earlier, because it's going to be interesting to see what happens with goaltenders in this year's draft. Um, are you one to think that you should be drafting a goalie? I don't want to say every year, but two out of every three years so that you keep that goalie cycle going or is it just by need? And there's so many free agents, as you pointed out with college and European that you don't need to draft them every, every draft. I want to draft a goalie every year. I want competition in the pipeline. I want healthy. I just want, you know, Seamus Kotick or any development coach, whatever team, I want them to have their hands full working and molding a player, not just that, you know, not just the goalie and his technique, molding the human, because it's such a unique yeah. position and the mental part of it. I mean, goalie coaches are just as much a psychologist as they are a uh, skills, you know, technician coach. So I I'm all for having a full pipeline. It seems like in Buffalo, we haven't had that luxury in a while. We haven't really had a full pipeline. Um, you know, I do expect them to take one this year. I mean, you have what, 10 picks? 11 at the So, I mean, you know, you have room to take one. So, um, Yeah, I just think, you know, right now, I mean, especially with some question marks, maybe at the position moving forward, keep adding, keep building. It's a hard, it's a hard position. Like we talked about the forecast and there are some good ones. Like, like I said, it was maybe a weaker class. Maybe last year was a weaker class. There are some good ones to look at here and we might, you know, hit on a couple of those as we go. Um, because we value your opinion beyond just the draft process and then the early stages of development. I also know you have strong feelings about what's happening at the NHL level, not just here in Buffalo, but across the league. Um, do you want to give us uh, an opinion on where you think the Sabres are headed in the crease this year and perhaps beyond? Well, I wish I had a really good answer for that, you know, because I was the guy that really thought that they should take a swing at Daniel Bladar last year. I tweeted about it a couple times You know, it was really good, I think, to look at him in terms of the spacing that you had with UPL coming up. You wouldn't be right on top of them. There was a couple-year gap there. The cost was not prohibitive, in my opinion. I think you could even have had him on waivers yeah. at one point, if I'm not mistaken, when it became really clear that Boston wasn't going to keep him. Uh, and then you look what happened. He had a good year in Calgary, right? Um, I think, you know, moving forward this year, you know, I did hear Kevin Adams speak to the media this morning. Um, I do like the idea. I, I think I, I feel like I'm in the minority when I read social media sometimes, but I kind of get where he's going with Craig Anderson, at least coming back and maybe being a stabilizing force, what he meant to the group. So not always just on ice performance, right? But it's also how do they work with the team and the group and the vibe? 
goaltending is one of those positions. They kind of set the whole tone for the team, you know, sending waves of energy out from the crease and, you know, how they function. Um, it's going to be really interesting because I don't want to force UPL up into a role and maybe get him to bite off more than he can chew. Um, and yet, you know, I don't want to see a guy like, you know, Tekarski play a lot of games again. So, you know, is it a Braden Holtby? I don't know. Um, I think he's kind of interesting to me, you know, because, you know, you know, I, I'm not in favor of going out and getting a guy on a four or five year contract. I guess that's probably the best way to answer. I think you need a little bit of a, you know, bridge guy to maybe steady the ship. And that's why I think they come back and they look at Craig Anderson as maybe the guy with the familiarity they have with them. And he's not going to block UPL. Say UPL does prove that he can be the guy and he can grow with that young group. Part of the reason I like Vladar was that he was in that young group, that same kind of generation as the skaters that were building something special here. And I, I kind of liked that concept and I think it was a missed opportunity. Now I know what I think of Ukopeka Lukanen and I know what I thought of Lena Solmark. I know what I thought of Jonas Johansson and, and moving back, but, but I, there's a lot of fans here in Buffalo that are like talking about prospect goaltender prospect for the Sabres for the last 10 years. Let's see Nathan Lewin and Makarov and, and all of those guys over the years. Where Don't forget do Jason Kasdorf. Uh, yeah, Jason Kasdorf, um, Duffer, you have Connor seen Knapp. more goalies. Connor Knapp, Nick Eno. <laughs> okay, so here's the point. If you were a Sabres fan for the Andre last... Makarov, baby. Yes, man, that guy was a mess. But anyway. Yeah, but he was kind of cool, too. He was kind of cool. He was a beautiful mess, exactly. So, uh, But so for fans that have been watching these goalies, like being drafted and go to Rochester and nothing come out of it, where do you put UPL... In that group, having seen them and maybe compare them to some of the other guys that were prospecting the, in the Sabres organization. I think he's gotten so much better since he was drafted in terms of his movement. Um, I, it, it implies that he's a very coachable player, and that kind of gives me more hope and promise for him moving forward. Um, you know, there's some things in his game that I, I still, you know, like you can tell when he's on. You know, like in Rochester, you can really tell when he's feeling it and he's in rhythm and he's moving save to save and he's in sequence and he's just dialed in. Um, it almost reminds me, like when he's on, I don't want to make this comparison stylistically, but like I used to always say Ryan Miller, like when he was on, it looked like he was asleep, right? Because he was just like, he was just so good at everything. You know, like it, it wasn't even like he was trying, right? I get that sometimes from UPL when he's on, just everything comes naturally. But when he's off, He's reaching at pucks, he's stabbing, he's freezing on shots. Yeah. And that's what kind of gives me a little bit of pause with him. So there's still some work to do, but it kind of goes back to, you know, I do feel that he's coachable. I feel that he's, um, you know, just, he makes it easy for the coaches to work with them, but then you have to do it consistently. And that's why kind of when we were going back and Duffer, when you asked about next year, I'm not all the way there yet. And just ready to hand him something. Cause he's not, I still think there's some room to cook there a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, but part of it was like, it's not disappointing, Marty, year to date. Like, I think the, the concept with him was he was going to be all three years of his entry-level deal on the farm. And they were going to put the work in for three years. They've done analytics to say, hey, he needs X amount of AHL minutes before he's ready for the NHL. <clears throat> and with the injuries and things like that, he probably is just on the precipice of hitting those that minutes threshold that yeah. they kind of had based on what their studies have told them. So, yeah, it's. I like a moving forward duffer, but I'm not all the way there just yet. Yeah. And I have to assume Marty that the threshold is maybe different for every person because we are all inherently different. Um, like 
Lukanen is just over a hundred games played right now of pro hockey between Rochester, Cincinnati, TPS, and Buffalo. But it just like that feels like a reasonably solid number. I but it's I think just that's been, not a lot. But it's been disjointed, I feel. Yeah. So that's where I view it more like what you guys are saying, you know? So he's still the same prospect that won all those awards in Sudbury. And I know like and what had a standout think, second world junior that yep. led to a gold medal, right? After still that same after, prospect and he has the same foundation in his game. Just because you did something in juniors, though, doesn't mean that's what you're going to be at the NHL. I always say Steve Ott scored 50 goals in the OHL, right? It's like, and you've just had to become a different player. And I, that's not a negative on Steve Ott. I'm just saying, like, I, with goalies, I don't look at their numbers. Like, when I'm looking at the draft class this year with the goalies, I'm not really looking at their numbers. I'm looking at their, their poise, how they play the position, the structure in their game. And there are so many different templates of goalies in this draft class. I like the ones that are, you know, I don't need a giant one. I like the guys that are 6'2", and they're real calm and poised. Like I was mentioning, I just think, I believe that there's like a vibe that a goalie sends out and they're kind of the heartbeat for the team. And um, I don't I don't need a guy that's athletic. And like, I remember Jack Campbell. We're going to be talking a lot about Jack Campbell, right? In Buffalo, I think leading up to free agency. There's yeah, one way or the other. He was like a flopper, man. When he was like 18, 19 years old, he was really athletic and he relied on his athleticism. And mm-hmm. I see goalies like that now. I'm going the other way with the goalies that I like. I like the goalies that are, okay, you know, structured, technical. So, so I promise we're going to get back to the draft. That's the <laughs> whole reason you're here, right? But interesting names in the AHL this year. Joel Hofer, Charlie Lindgren, Dustin Wolf, Pyotr Kachetkov, Alex Lyon, after all this time. Like, how do you view these guys? And, and like, you know, is, is, after an unbelievable year like Wolf had, but still being married to the big contract like Calgary has in their number one in Markstrom, like is Wolf a guy that teams should be pursuing? I was really surprised to see Wolf this year in the AHL. I'm not going to say that I was a naysayer. I mean, and in, in, in full disclosure, my my nephew is trained with him, and he's he's not very big. I think you know um, that's what's shocking to me. Um, he came out of that Everett system. So that's, you know, um, Carter Hart, Wolf, now Braden Holt, who's going to be in his second year being draft eligible. He's up right now. He had a decent year. But, I mean, I always thought that maybe he was a little bit of a system goal, and it's proven to be that he's, he's not. He's actually that good. What's interesting about him is that he plays deeper for a smaller guy. Um, and I've always been just fascinated by that, you know, and I think he just wants to see the puck that for that second longer, <laughs> I don't know, mm-hmm. I can't figure it out, but, um, no, it's all over the place. Some of these guys, it's just, um, it goes back to like, Hofer has been around for a little bit. He played in Portland at the WHL and he's been around for a while and he was just always steady, always strong. I can't explain it. I, I really can't explain it, it but it, it goes to the fact that why not take as many goalies as you can get and just get them into the system. And all you need is one at the yeah, right time. You need one Vasilevsky, one Shesterkin, one Marc-Andre Fleury, one Carey Price, whatnot. And I mean, putting more eggs in the basket, one is bound to come up that way. But um, let me ask you this, and it's not only with goaltenders, but also with players. When you do your evaluation and you look at players and you you learn their life story or whatnot, like a guy like UPL, uh, tough 
World Juniors the first year, was maybe not even going to be on the World Juniors Finland team the next year, and then it came over to Sudbury at a great season. The injury, the battle back from injury, so that has to be a factor in your evaluation, the off the ice, the personal side, the battle that these guys have to go through. So how much do you put on not just the on-ice evaluation, but the off-ice a journey that the players have had to go through. It's funny, you know, because when you're looking at evaluating players, you know, you're going to look at skating and you're going to look at hockey IQ and you're going to look at compete level, but I think character, body language, and just kind of what, how are they into education? Like UPL is a great example. He was a student. He was into his education. I think that does matter. Um, you know, you take it into consideration because, you know, you are developing human beings. We say that a lot. You know, like when it comes up when they're 19 years old and maybe they're playing in the, the AHL and you're like, I don't want him to leave Rochester to go play World Juniors. Yeah, but he has a chance to be a leader because you are developing a human being. I think all of those things matter. Um, and you know, it's funny. I just mentioned four things. And what I didn't mention was skill because that's I, I will talk about character and body language and kind of what they how they carry themselves off the ice at this level. Like they're all skilled when you're talking in the NHL draft. But those other things do matter. And I'm, I'm a big believer in that part. Who are the Sabres taking at nine? I have two names that I'm kind of focused on because I can make a case for two. And, you know, I think when you look at, you know, they're loaded with forwards. I mean, Kevin Adams is second. He's had two drafts, 15 picks, 12 forwards, 3D. You need some defensemen. You need some defensemen badly. Um, when you look at the forward ranks, you're really good at wing right now. You know, if you think about Quinn and Paterka, but who's after them? Bloom, Nadeau, Kizikov, Pultapov. You could talk about Linus Weisbach, you know, and as, as an organizational depth player. But I mean, I guess what I'm saying is you're pretty good at wing Lucas Rusick. You need a centerman. You need a naturally creative centerman. So I, I would be looking at a centerman or a defenseman. I think that elusive right shot defenseman might elude them at nine. I can make a case, though, so, um, for a centerman. I can make a case for Frank Nazer from the, the U.S under 18 team. I, I just think he's, uh, well, you know, first of all, he right shot centerman, naturally creative, great skater, pressure breaker. But when he doesn't have the puck, he's reliable. He's on pucks. I kind of like that with him. Mm -hmm. He talked at the combine about the need to be a little more consistent. I don't know. I, I watched him enough this year where I didn't see that as an issue. So maybe he's just kind of, you got to pick something that you work on when those people ask you those questions. I mean, he's not a, he's not a perfect player by any means, but I mean, I think that he is, um, I think he's a special talent that more people should be talking about. Mm -hmm. Defenseman, I think that uh, Minchikov from Saginaw is interesting. Now, he's a left shot. He got a lot of reps this year playing D. He came into the year knowing that he needed to work on his defensive game. Um, you know, he's probably a top four upside guy, power play quarterback type. I look at what the Sabres have you know, in terms of young defensemen, I mean, it's been discussed ad nauseum, right? They have a very young fleet of defensemen and you have two guys in power and Darlene that are probably going to play 25 plus minutes a night. I want more territorial defensive defensemen. You might be able to get more of a defensive defenseman 28, maybe on Friday. At nine, I'm still taking a skater and I'm still taking some upside that can puck moving and you know, but maybe not a guy that's sub six foot. That's where kind of Minchikov comes into play. Played with Josh Bloom this year. I'm sure the Sabres are very familiar with him. And they weren't a very strong team. So again, for a kid who wanted to come into the season knowing that he needed to get better defensively, 
he had a lot of opportunities to get those defensive reps this year in Saginaw. So those are two names that are compelling to me. Now, Minchikov, sorry, Marty, Minchikov is, I think, consistently mentioned in that top half. Why is Nazer so all over the map? I don't know. I can't figure it out. I, I yeah. mean, he's 5'10", 180 pounds. Um, I think because maybe there's a lot of steam on guys like Cooley and Goche. And maybe for the Sabres, hey, Kevin Adams hasn't taken a player from the USHL, let alone the National Team Development Program. But overall, they have. There's, I, I think there's more steam now. I think because he played second line minutes, you know, like he wasn't the top line guy, and that's you know, all the steam is elsewhere. But so what? You're projecting a guy in a couple of years. He has every projectable skill in the mind for the game, and the way that he can find sticks. And like even for a smaller guy, he gets inside. He gets inside position when he's going to the net, when he doesn't have the puck, gets inside the defenseman, gets leverage, gets his stick down, all those little details. It's sense. I just think there's something there with the, with the player. And the more like when Marty was asking questions about, you know, what do you put into like off the ice? I like his interviews. He seems to be grounded, knows who he is as a player, knows that he needs to get consistent. He's saying the right things, whether it's coaching, right? Like the combine, how much of it is coaching, right? I don't want to get into that right now, but I kind of like what he says (laughs) off the ice too. So I didn't realize that there was such an imbalance of picks in the last two years with Kevin Adams in, what is it? uh, I think it's 16 picks in the last two years, only three defensemen, as you just pointed out, Bakes. Um, Does that favor maybe a, well, we got to move up and pick the, you know, maybe package and, and try to get to five or six in the draft instead of wait to nine because we have to get a, a defenseman or a centerman that will really fit what we need. Are you in favor of these type of trades to move up three or four spots? Or do you think that there's such a slim margin that you can have your guy at nine or find somebody similar at nine? I was a guy I've, I've given up. Like I, it seems like every year I'm screaming to move up, move <laughs> up, like get, go get Matthew Kachuk. Move up and go get Elias Lindholm in 2013. Move up. And I was just like, I've given up on the whole move up thing. I just, I've given up. Yeah, but, but they um, should have went and got Kachuk. Darn right. They should have moved up. I mean, I'm still like sweating that one. I can't believe it. I'm, I mean, he, are you mentioning, are you talking Matthew? Because I still I wish they'd used a second one the year they won the Darlene lottery because I wanted Brady real bad. I wanted both of them. I think they both play like Buffalo Sabres <laughs> hockey. And both of them represent what the team's been missing for the past few years, but I'm not going to go there right now because I'm going to get all upset. <laughs> but I think, um, no, Marty, I think, you know, there, the gap between the top, like Simon Nemes and uh, David Yerichek are both right shot defensemen. Um, they would be a huge win if you can get your hands on one of them. What's the cost to move up? You know, I guess I don't, I don't know, you know, I'm not really good at projecting what the cost would be yeah. to move up, say from nine, or, you know, you got to get, you got to bail out of 16. Um, I would be happy, like a scenario that I can see as much as I like Nazer, you know, I can see taking a defenseman at nine, go and get a forward in the middle, at the middle pick and stay at 20 and get another defenseman. And I have some names that I like in both of those spots. And one of them, Duffer, I think we were talking over the week and I saw Sabres Twitter stole a little of my mojo on one of the players and promoting what you guys are going to talk about today at noon. So I, I won't, I won't go too hard on that player and steal the thunder there, but you know who I'm talking about. No, go for it. We, we, we encourage wide use of names across all platforms yes. right now. <laughs> well, look, I mean, I, I like Yuri Coolidge. 
who is a, a centerman. I just like the way he plays. I like his intensity. I like, uh, and it's not just about what he did at the under 18s. I think it's about what he did, you know, playing with Carlo Vivari this year in the Czech league, who I actually, I surprisingly, I never watched more Czech hockey than I did this year. And Kluge was a guy who actually um, was kind of interesting to pop in on every now and then. And I, I think that he's going to play in the NHL. I think he's going to solidify your lineup. And the reason that I kind of like him there is that he's a centerman. A lot of people think that he might play wing. Any guy can go up and down a wing. I want the guy that can play center, play it efficiently, and be reliable in all three zones. And you get the benefit of this guy just having some pretty significant offensive skills. His shot is killer. Um, so, you know, I, I would be really happy with a player like that. And you want to talk about, like, why is Nazer all over the place? Why is Coolidge all over the place? He was the MVP of the under-18s. Yeah. And, and, and like, if anyone had questions on him going into that tournament in Germany, he answered that, you know? So um, he's not the only guy I like there, but he's like the one that I can certainly rationalize if they take a defenseman like a Minchikov or someone at five. Biggs, do you put a lot of stock on midterm ranking and then final ranking? Because Coolidge was ranked 22nd in European players. And then he finishes at 13. Like he moved up nine spot from midterm to final ranking. Like, does that something that like lights up a bulb and says, ding, ding, ding. Like he's progressing in the right direction. Sometimes, or it means that central was asleep at the wheel. <laughs> so, cause we've seen that too. We've seen that too. And I'm not, I'm not picking on them. You know, and by the way, their final ranking comes out before the under 18s. Yeah. So like he should be even higher mm -hmm. if you think about it. Right. But um, no, I, you know, you do pay attention to that because with the assumption that they're seeing everyone equally, when you see a guy shoot up like that, I'm not picking on central. Trust me. It's a very good guidepost. I don't want anyone saying, you know, Baker thinks their central scouting rankings are, you know, they're not watching hockey, but um, no, I, I do pay attention to that. I like, I, I like, you know, you're, you're looking at information, you know, at the end of the day, you kind of just trust what your own eyes see though too. And um, Coolidge to me is he's been good throughout the year. I think he's averaged over 12 minutes of ice time playing against men, which mm -hmm. is kind of the same where Marco Casper's been in Rogla and, and where a lot of these guys playing and um, against men have, you know, no one's playing 17, 18 minutes a night right. and 18 right. men. So, you know, you have a limited snapshot and you're just looking for efficient players, but uh, yeah, he's been, he's the one that if I still see people saying that Coolidge is a second rounder, I'm just not, I'm not buying into that. What do you think that scouts and teams uh, might have learned about their own evaluation techniques or rankings by going through what they went through in the past couple of years, but specifically as it pertains to, like you said before, taking the shot on OHL guys that didn't even play. And then all of a sudden you're convincing yourself, we should take this guy. What do you think that's done for the hockey community when it comes to scouting and rankings and techniques? Well, it's funny. I th there's kind of two thoughts, I guess, on that. Like I look at the Josh Bloom pick mm -hmm. and the Sabres got some information on him by going to like informal skates. They knew him as a player before that and they kept tabs on him when he wasn't playing games. So you had to get more creative with how you got in-person information. You had to also be in spots where it was harder to travel, right? You had to be in the right place at the right time. I do think what's funny is that when Darcy was in Buffalo and the budget wasn't as maybe robust as it is right now, they did a lot of reliance on video. And I think video made a big comeback. I've been living off video. I know what the shortcomings are of video. You only see what's in the frame, right? You're taking chances. 
Um, I think at the end of the day, video helped deploy the live eyes more. So they were consuming a lot of like how you and I are talking right now. More teams were consuming information this way, using it to deploy their live viewings. Look at what the Sabres did last year. They still, they have a pretty full fleet of scouts now. They went hard in Dallas, in Texas. I think it was in Frisco or whatever at the under 18s last yeah. year. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Rosine, all those Russians that they took, right? Like they went hard with their in-person viewings, but I bet you the stage was set with all the video work that they did, yeah. if I had to guess. So I think, you know, I think it, I think it brought the technology back. The Sabres took a beating in the scouting community when they were doing, oh, video scouting, video scouting, video scouting. Well, it's funny what happened in 2020. I think a lot of teams are using it and say, oh, geez, maybe the Sabres were a little bit ahead of their time. Mm -hmm. yeah. I don't know. Well, it's hard to tell because I think there was a void maybe after the Miller, Campbell, Roy Vanek and that time, which all were selected before the video scouting started and then there was a bit of a void and now obviously it's come back uh but the biggest thing for me is so the sabers have 11 picks this year out of the 11 how many would you think or suggest that they are taking a chance on a guy more than well this guy is the best available player at this moment and where do you start taking chances you start taking chances in the third round in the fifth round or is it second round because you know you may have three first round pick that at 41 you're saying we're gonna take a chance on a guy that people don't have as high but we think could be a, a very good value like where do you start taking chances in the draft i think there's so much information on players now that i think there's fewer chances taken and right. like i look at like when uh ascari loxanen was selected that was a scout standing up and making a very passionate case to take that player now, is that a chance because it's not a consensus decision? That probably would classify as a chance, Marty, right? So I think that, you know, midday two is when those chances probably start are being taken. I think that the first two rounds, you can't afford to take a chance. In the third round, ideally, you're not taking a chance. And I think if you get to the fourth round, fifth round, sixth round, what do you have, two six, two sevens now? Those are lottery tickets anyways in the sixth and the seventh. Those are chances every year. In my opinion, you're taking a player that has a projectable skill, but they might have a flaw. And, you know, some will argue that a goalie is a chance every time you take them, right? regardless of where you take them. Yes. Right. <laughs> so I, I think, though, that, you know, the, the chances to answer your question, it's a very difficult question to answer. But I think midway through day two is maybe when you start getting a little more loose and you start taking some chances on a physical skill set, a physical frame. Or maybe a guy that has a lot of puck skill, shooting skill, one standout offensive trait that maybe needs to work on his skating, might be a smaller player. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of those. There's a lot of small defensemen in this year's draft class yep. that have great one-way skill sets that might not be set up to win board battles, things like that. Those are chances to me. How do you find a Kale McCarr? <laughs> because that's what uh, Gabriel oh, Landis got when he was asked. Um, what do you think? Uh, you know, it's a copycat league. What, a, what is our other team going to need to do to match what you guys did? And he goes, find a kill McCarr. Now, I know it's fourth overall pick and probably the best player in that draft, but uh, not probably the best player in that draft. But how do you find 
a guy that was playing in the Alberta Junior Hockey League, and you take a chance at fourth overall. Before he speaks, I'll just say Bakes knew all along. So he would Thank not stop saying. talking about Kale McCarr in his draft year. Thank you for saying that, Duffer. Yeah. Um, the answer, no, but I think it, I think it's just a skill set. What when we were going back, you, you're, we're talking about what do you look for in a player? Skating is always number one. Yeah. Kale McCarr was a supreme skater. The first time you saw him, it stood out. It didn't matter that he was playing in the AJ, Marty, because you could project that skill and his handling ability. It was projectable. It didn't matter that he was playing in Brooks. So find the best skater, Marty, if you want to find the next Kale McCarr, honestly. And that's where, hey, Brad Lambert, close your eyes and think of the most beautiful skater. And you might come to Brad Lambert, um, who's draft eligible this year. And maybe he's another guy you throw in the hopper. Might not, maybe not at nine, but man, if you think that you need a centerman and he's a guy that projects as a centerman and you can work on his flaws, skating is the foundation for me. Now he you can't like- play defense. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like Lambert though? Is there something that you see that you think, you know what? Whoever gets him will be able to tweak him the right way. I like that Adam Mayer is on the development staff because old Scud was not a, a guy who was afraid of going to the middle of the ice. And that's where you need to teach Lambert to go. If you think that your player development staff can turn a player and really develop them, have faith in your team, right? It doesn't have to be, it's not all on the player. It's also on the people that are on your payroll to develop the players. Mm-hmm. And um, I like his, I, I think with Lambert, it was funny. I was just looking at some video again to him this morning because the draft ended last year. It ended in you know, early afternoon, and then 4 o'clock that afternoon, the National Junior Evaluation Camp was going on. We, we closed the book on 2021. We started the 2022 draft year. An hour later, Brand Lambert goes down the ice, breaks down the right side, and scores a goal to put Finland up 3-1 on Sweden. And you're like, man, look at this kid. The reason I'm mentioning that is because he always has looked good against his peer group, always. And it hasn't clicked yet against men, and I don't want to – put too much emphasis on his resume to date against much older players. When you look at him against his peer group, he does stand out. Now, is he perfect? No. Like I mentioned, he needs to get inside, get off the perimeter a little bit more, um, use his teammates more. I want to see what he does with an opportunity to actually have chemistry with teammates more than a couple months at a time, because he keeps moving around the past couple of years. So I like him. I like his skill set. I love his skating. I want to see more from the hockey sense department, because that's important too, obviously. One prospect that I wanted to ask you about, and uh, his season came to an end when they lost in overtime to Hamilton in the Memorial Cup semifinal, is Olivier Nadeau. He was a fourth-round pick, I think, last year with the uh, Buffalo Sabres and had a really good season this year. So where does a fourth-round pick like Olivier Nadeau um, go? Like, I'd probably play another year of juniors next year as a 19-year-old, then be in Rochester for two years. Like, drafting guys and, and having to project them five years down the road, six years down the road is, is so hard. So where do you see a guy like Nado who could be, as a fourth-round pick, a really good find if it turns out uh, the way we want him to be? He could be a good find just because of his nose for the net. He knows where to go. Um you know, but in terms of uh, career path, yes, back to the queue next year because he won't be 20 by December 31st. So that, you know, that NHL, CHL agreement kind of puts him back there unless he somehow makes the Sabres out of camp, which I don't think anybody wants, right? Yeah. Um, 
And then, yeah, Rochester for a year or two. But I think, um, you know, for him, you know, his development really is going to hinge on, you know, the skating continuing to improve, the acceleration, the first two, three steps, still working on his shot. Um, beautiful tip goal last night. Beautiful assist. The hockey sense. Again, though, that sense, that assist. He, he got below the goal line. He backed up a little bit into space to receive the puck to make a pass. That's the brain for the game, the playmaking that, you know, people don't always want to put together and say that's Nadeau's game. He makes those little plays. He's, he projects to me as like a connector. He's not going to be the guy that carries the puck, you know, over a couple lines. He might be the guy that makes a short pass in the neutral zone and goes to that. He's kind of a connector, but he can also finish the play at the end of it. Kind of like a Ogren, who, you know, he's, got, he's draft eligible this year. Very similar players to me. Kind of that connector piece. Um, no, I like, I like those guys that can park in front that'll take a beating. You know, maybe a throwback to the old, like, Rick Vive days. Um, but, you know, I kind of like that mentality of just not afraid. And he's got the hand-eye coordination to get a stick on pucks when they're coming in. That tip last night was incredible. Rising puck knocked it down to score a goal. I, I, I like that. And that's kind of, you want a blend of skill sets in the forward ranks, you have guys like Kizikov that go up and down real smooth. Poltapov, who I love. We haven't talked about him. I love that player. Nadeau is kind of the unicorn in the Sabres prospect ranks right now in terms of that guy that just plants in front of the net. Find my stick. I'll score. Well, it's been missing for a while, has it not? Yes, it has. It has. So, and yeah. I, I, Marty, do you have any more for Bakes before I dive into, you know, kind of this week's version of the three stars, which is completely different than usual? No, I want you to go there because, uh, I yes, it's going to be unusual and fun. <laughs> okay, so in honor of the number three, meaning three first round selections for the Buffalo Sabres at this moment, let's hear from you, Bakes, the three most likely names they'll be staring at and considering at nine, at 16, and at 28. So th this is nine times the pressure here on you as we multiply by three. But uh, at nine, who do you think is going to be available and that they'll be staring at and considering? Thanks for prepping me. Should have. Uh, Dude, your list oh. of names yes. is so long. Like, it is. You've it got is. more. Well, no, I was going to say you've got more names than I have putts in an average round with you, but that's not true. The, the putting will always be my problem. So I did give you like 55 names. So that's like three a hole. That's yeah. Anyways, yeah, I that's me. That's my round. I had to get one putts. shot in <laughs> three names at nine. Let's start there. I do think Minchikov, I think Nazar, uh, Nazar is going to be there. The third name that could maybe be there might be a, like a cutter goche. And, and for me, it, but it's kind of interesting because he's a pro frame, pro game. I think there's questions about, I know he's going to play center next year at Boston College. I still think he's a winger. And if teams see him as a winger, he could be there for Buffalo to maybe look at. I do think he might be there. Um, 16, oh man. I think, um, you know, I do think Coolidge. Um, I think I'd be, I'm, I'm kind of interested to see if, um, Denton Matejchuk is going to be there still because he's kind of like that fourth. He's a defenseman from Moose Jaw. He, he is freewheeling. You want to talk like positionless hockey, you know, all these positionless concepts. He is like a fourth forward and, but he can also D up a little bit. I wonder if he would be there. I just don't think that you need him if you're the Sabres, but he might be there. And I think a lot of, a lot of people might be on him. Um, I think Sabres fans might be intrigued by that. Cause they always like that dazzling offensive defenseman, right? 
Um, another name that I think, I think Rutger McGrory will be there. And the only reason I want to mention him is because I think he just scored like eight goals at the under 18s or something like that. Um, skating for me, not there at, uh, at that, at 16. I think he is a first round pick. I think he's great leader, power forward. I think he'll be there. He'll be compelling. I think there's some steam on him as well from fans that like what he represents and he can fill the net. Mm -hmm. I don't think he's for me at 16. Okay. 28. Um, this work gets hard, right? Cause it's hard. I know Duffer, you're smiling because you're like, yeah, I know it's so hard. Let's see what you say. Um, <laughs> I think, um, I'm going to go Cali Odelius, left-handed defenseman, about six foot and a half modern defensive defenseman. Love him. I would take him. Have we drafted a Cali since Johansson? I don't think so. No. Cali, uh, there was a Cali Asland who played oh. for the Rio Grande Valley. He came over, remember him? He played, no, he was like I a monster. But anytime yeah. we can mention, is it, uh, what league was that? That was like the SP. I was going to say it had to be the SP. <laughs> or something, yeah. Um, so I, I think um, Odelius is one. I think Ryan Chesley, if he's there, right shot. You know, I think he's going to be another reliable. So I'm starting to throw defensive. This is what I talked about earlier. I'm starting to throw some defensive defensemen. Give me those guys. Give me those reliable guys um, that maybe have some middle pair ceiling. Chesley's going to go to Minnesota. I like his game. I thought he was very steady and reliable at the under 18s. Um, man. And then I'll tell you what, I mean, another name at 28. Did I give you three at 16, by the way? You did. Yeah. Did I? Yeah. Cause I almost wonder, by the way, Korczynski, if he's going to be there, but we'll, we'll let him go. Um, boy, another one. If I throw a forward in there, gosh, I mean, I'll throw another defenseman there. I almost wonder if Luno um, is interesting to them just because again, I'm going steady. I'm going reliable. I'm going a good skater. Probably not for me. I, I'm kind of dead set on like a Chesley or Odelius. If they're there, just take a player that you think is going to be reliable. That's going to hit. Kind of probably what the Sabres saw in Ryan Johnson when they picked him in a similar spot. Good mm. skater, reliable defensively with a little bit, you know, kind of that middle pair ceiling. That's the type of profile of a defenseman I'd be looking at there. Do you guys have any names? I mean, is there someone that you think? Well, Jeff, is is, is, Marty, is Jeff saying we didn't get three at 16? Um, he, do, he doesn't know who the middle guy was like Coolidge. Then he forgets who the middle guy was. And then uh, McGrory. So there was a, ah. a second guy there, but. Anton Matejchuk. Matejchuk. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah. See, I knew so you said three. Matejchuk is uh, Moose Jaw in the WHL, right? So that's what yeah. it is. And, and Rodger McGrory, I, I like what he could bring. He's six, one and 205, 210 pounds already. I mean, that's a big boy. Like maybe the skating will get better when he gets a little stronger with that big frame. But I, I'd like, I'd like to see him if, uh, if available at 16, if, or maybe even later in the draft, who knows how the draft is going to shape up. Um, I do have this question for you, uh, Bakes, just because obviously, I mean, everybody talks about the first overall pick and it's not so much a Sabres related one, but I'd like to get your opinion. If you had the first overall pick or if the Sabres had it like they had Owen Power and Rasmus Dahlin, who would you pick at one overall this year? I would pick Shane Wright. Okay. I would pick Shane Wright. I know there's, I, I, I get the appeal of Cooley. Um, I get the appeal of Slavkowski, especially, I mean, with his, uh, 
you know, big guy with those stick skills. To me, he doesn't have the separation. Um, I, I think that Shane Wright, just the guy that does everything well, I know no one likes safe. No one likes the word safe, but man, he screams safe because he's just, he's a good player. I think that he does a lot of things really well. And, you know, just because his tempo isn't always there, that's just his style. He's a thinker. He's cerebral. Um, when you have a player that draws comparisons to Patrice Bergeron, and I know everyone says that, right? Like when you, when you interview these players, everyone's like, oh, I model my game after Patrice Bergeron. I actually see it with him. His shooting, like I think he's got a really, no one talks enough about Shane Wright's shooting ability. Um, mm -hmm. It seems like just like Lambert, he's been on the scene for so long that everyone wants to pick him apart. But when you come back to it at the end of the day, I mean, listen, I love Cooley. I really do. But I would probably, I would have a hard time um, if I'm in a room with a bunch of scouts, I would have a hard time getting talked off the shape. I feel like Lech Karamaki is inevitable to the Sabres. <laughs> Why do I feel that way? <laughs> it's funny because, um, you know, he was a name that I, I, started this process a couple of, I, I kind of go back and forth. I mean, another player who was lights out that whole line at the under 18s, it was him and Noah Osland and uh, Ogren, who I mentioned, yep. I would take all three of them because I really liked the, the point guard on that line. Mm -hmm. Osland. But um, no, the Kirimaki shooter, pure offense. I think just, you know, I, I guess, look, all of these kids at the top of the draft, you're going to, like, when you're nitpicking their game, you're going to say, oh, he gets a little sleepy in the defensive zone. I see that with, with him, too, with Lakirimaki. But um, mm -hmm. you're probably right. I can totally see that scenario. But for me, I, I go back to that centerman. If I'm not taking a guy that I know that I can put down the middle and add to the pipeline depth down the middle, then I'm going defenseman. I need Seems a to strong me. centerman. And that's, that's how I get back to Nazer to make Do it full circle. Do you put any stock into the fact that the Sabres have such a strong Swedish contingent with the Sabres and thinking that that may be a style of player or a development that they like? I remember, you know, the Detroit Red Wings back in the days and when Scotty Bowman was there, but drafting Russians or having Russians on their team and then Eisenman doing the same with Tampa and really looking at Russians. So do you put stock on the Sabres and their their liking of Swedish players? I do. Yeah. And I think it's a style of play. It's how they teach the game over there. Like I go back to Rasmus Asplund. One of the things I used to always talk about, Duffer probably heard me say it a million times. You could tell that he was coached really well with his technical, <laughs> his stick positioning, his stick pressure. And I think that it's part of the Swedish system. So no, I do think there's like a potting aspect, you know, potting players from certain systems and how they develop. And maybe at 41, you want to talk about potting that maybe that's where like a Julian Lutz comes into play from Germany. If the Sabres liked Paterka, you know, like Paterka comes in, he comes down the side, he'll hold the puck, he'll go beneath the goal line and slide that pass out to the front. I see a lot of the same things with like Julian Lutz. And maybe he's a player there. So again, potting. So you, you asked about Sweden, Marty. I'm sorry, I made it about Germany. Mm. But yes, there is. Um, I think there's a lot of that. I think there is. Uh, but hey, that's part of the reason why I kind of go to Odelius, and yeah. I start thinking about some of these other Swedish players. I mean, I think I love Swedish players too. It's not just the Sabres. I always have a soft spot for those guys. I like but the way. Sh shouldn't we be forcing is too strong a word, but <laughs> strongly encouraging them to take more Finn since the Finns tend to uh, have world success every time out and they seemingly defy expectations. There has to be 
a great finished trait that is, uh, you know, spread through all of them right now. I like the way they play and they play hard, you know, hard skill. I kind of like that with the fins, but I think if you see a fin, maybe it'll be Topias Lehman in the goalie. Maybe they'll get their hands on him. Right. Six foot five, get another finished goalie. Cause they got a pretty good factory going over there too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's not from that Carpat system that seems to develop a lot of the goalies, but he's from JYP. Marty, you might like him if you haven't dug into him yet. I'd, I'd be curious to see you dig into Topias Lehman. I I saw him. I know he's massive. He's like six five, six six, two twenty, um, and he's an early 04. So I think he's like early January or February birth. So. Um, which is always good, right? Because that means you were always one of the bigger, stronger, more developed player in that, in that class, but he's already um, shown what he can do. Now, the big thing is how would that translate to the pro? Like a lot of times these, these goalies in Europe, they, they have a taste of the pro game. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think he's gone to the top league yet in Finland. I think he's, he's played junior, right? couple games and the numbers aren't, you know, they're like 86 save percentage and like a five goals against. So, you know, he probably came in mop up duty and got shelled. Um, but no, he's been under 20. Yeah. And a couple games, I think in the second league that messed us. So he's got some, you know, that's a goalie that would have runway. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if he'll be the first one off the board, you know, so you go from a monster and then another one, Marty, if you haven't seen Hugo Havlid, I like him. That's that's who I was gonna go to. He's Funny. smaller, but like yeah. you got used to Soros as a goaltender who's smaller, but so fast and and so athletic. And um, so you go Avlid. I've I've been a big fan of. And his twin brother could be a, a defenseman yeah. that goes maybe late first, early second. Matthias and they were both really good at the under 18s mm-hmm. And I, I think that the defenseman's kind of interesting because he's like fire, like a spark plug shooter. You know, but again, you might have some warts defensively that you got to work with. And I don't know if it fits that profile that I keep talking about. I'm looking for, but Hey, Duffer, before I'm going to drive you nuts with this. I know, but I'm just going to call my shot. Now you mentioned Marty mentioned age. I want to go back to Minchikov real quick because he's a November or December Oh three. And you, you know, the pipelines bare. So if you take him, say you take Minchikov, mm-hmm. He's only one year of juniors and he can go play AHL that second year. I did want to hit on that, by the way, because I think he's one of those Q4 birth dates where it's not like the Nadeau thing where they're going to be there for two years and, um, you know, juniors for two years. He would only have one year. And that that should matter to the Sabres because, seriously, it's dry defensively right now. I, it really is. I mean, for all the talk that that we have been involved for all the right reasons with the the high-end talent, the Dalene, the Samuelsons, the Okiharus, and Powers, like if, if, if you look at Rochester right now, it is Ascari Laxanen and with the seemingly uncertain future of Ryan Johnson, will he sign with the Sabres? Will he be an asset to move? There is not a lot there on the blue line right now. So I can completely understand your uh, desire for Buffalo to fill in a significant need here in this draft. That's why I think like, so defensemen, I think day two is going to be a lot of defensemen and could be CHL defensemen because of that that what we just mentioned, maybe you can get him into the pipeline quicker with those two years that you got to kind of sign him. Like Cooper get off the pot, right? You have two years. And I do think that matters because really once power, like power and Samuelson, let's face it, they're not prospects anymore. Right. Correct. When you look at that side, I have it written down here. You got Ryan Johnson, 
question mark. Nikita Novikov, 64206, one year left on his contract in Russia. I like him, territorial. I love those guys, but question marks there. And then when you go to the other side, besides Loxon and Albert Likashin, who's going to play in AIK next year in Sweden, second league. You don't know what's going to happen there. He had a good year, but needs more runway. It's There's nothing else. Yeah. There's nothing else. Go hog wild on D on the second day. Yeah. <laughs> Channel your inner Jason Bottrell. <laughs> he corrected it, man. He corrected it. He just didn't get the right ones all across the board. <laughs> we, we did a podcast last week, Bakes, you know, top five most wanted by a trade this off season. And I uh, unintentionally went heavy on defense and someone <laughs> tweeted at me about me channeling my inner Bodrill, trying to acquire every defenseman <laughs> out there. And it was just something I had completely forgotten but then remembered vividly, uh, you know, Jason's approach the, here. So the yeah. 2018 draft was uh, very interesting. And when Darlene Samuelson and then Picard at uh, in the fourth round, the only Ford, and then it was uh, yeah. Kronholm, Kukunen, and uh, Crew. That was yeah. defenseman, defenseman, defenseman. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they just didn't get the right ones. I think they had the right idea because they had to take corrective action. They were the inverse then of what you're looking at now. Mm-hmm. Sabres needed defensemen badly, badly when they made all those picks. They just seemingly didn't didn't hit. <laughs> Bakes, uh, you you may have noticed uh, a brief interruption in our uh, beautiful screen. That's because uh, Marty's provider maxed out after sixty minutes, which means we have gone way too long in theory on the podcast this week. But in actuality, we were the beneficiaries of your insight for more than 60 yes. minutes. So thank you for that. And we look forward to a lot more on draft night. Well, thank you for having me. And I'm sorry for being long winded because I'm sure that's my fault. No, it was Marty's. Right. It's my, it's always my fault. Blame it all on me. And uh, yes, you're right. As I was going to say with the uh, Havlid brothers, the twins, uh, if they mirror a nutter twin, uh, like a pair that made it to the NHL in the Lundquists in the Henrik and Joel, yeah. uh, you would think that Hugo Havlid may have a pretty good career as a goaltender because uh, the Lundquist, especially Henrik, did a good job. So, and then my internet cut out, and then I just scrambled to come back. Uh, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, no, Joel Lundquist. I have a soft spot for him watching uh, for London all those years too. I like the other Lundquist. Henrik steals the show, and he's so sexy. You know, I'm so sexy. A shiny yeah. penny. Yeah. <laughs> Marty, Weeksy would say you were on the outer net there for a while. I was, uh, I, I don't want to even say ECHL on the fly. I was like way, way, way below that. SP. The SPHL on the fly. <laughs> All right, Bakes. We'll see you on draft night. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks, boys. There he is, Chris Baker, Sabres Prospects. You can follow him on Twitter. We thank Seneca Resorts and Casinos for another installment of Instigators Overtime. We'll see you soon.